Hey everybody, welcome to the Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know I had this memory of my first day of kindergarten recently, and I remember this day as if it just happened four decades ago. Anyway, the very first day of school I remember, there was announcements on the PA that the principal gave, and he came on the PA system and told us it was now time to stand up and say the pledge. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, I don't know what the pledge is. I don't know what to say. And that was the very first time I heard the Pledge of Allegiance. And the weird thing is, I would go on to say the Pledge of Allegiance every single morning for the next seven years. Now, I have no idea why they made us say it every single morning. Were they afraid somehow of waning commitment of elementary school students to the American way of life? To be fair, this was the tail end of the Cold War, which was a, a tense and intense time in our nation's history. But still, every single day, like, what was the principal saying? You know, if we skip a day, Glenda, it's tetherball on Wednesday, and then, bam, communism on Thursday. Regardless, our principal, Mr. Montague, would lead us in the pledge. And I didn't know what it was. I had never heard it before. And so I just repeated the words verbatim. But there was one problem, because I didn't know what the words were supposed to be. And so I totally misheard many of the words, because I had no idea what it was. Now, before you stop and give me crap for misreciting the Pledge of Allegiance. You do this all the time. Listen, millennials out there, as you're listening to songs, you misheard lyrics, right? You, everyone out there, you know this. You've listened to a song, you've been singing along, and you've been missinging the lyrics. You've been doing this for years. I remember when my children were little and I introduced them to the joy that is 90s music. My son, I played a particular song for him, and it was by CNC Music Factory. And my son turned to me, and he thought that the words were, everybody's dead now. Everybody dead now. Which, admittedly, makes the song a lot darker. When I was a kid, there was a song by Bon Jovi called Living on a Prayer. And one of the lyrics is, it doesn't make a difference if we make it or not. She says we got a Now, I thought he was singing, it doesn't make a difference if we're naked or not, which, one, is not true legally, and two, definitely not what he's saying. The point is, I misheard it. I misheard the Pledge of Allegiance, so here's what I thought it was. I thought it was, and again, I was five years old, so cut me some slack, people. I thought the Pledge of Allegiance went like this. I led the pigeons to the flag of the United States of America and to the we public for... Witches stand. Why are there four witches? Why are they standing? Why are they not sitting down? It's not even Halloween. What's going on? Why not three? One Asian, under God, indivisible, with little tea and just rice for all. Again, I had no idea. Do not blame me. I miss, and believe me, when I actually read the Pledge of Allegiance for the first time uh, in college, I was very surprised. I was like, oh, that's... That's what I should have been saying. That makes so much more sense than leading pigeons. Anyway, the point is, the Pledge of Allegiance, what, what's my point here? My, my, my point is that for ancient Jews in the time of Jesus, all the way to the time of Moses, the Jewish folk had a Pledge of Allegiance. It was not just political, it was theological, it was encompassed all of life. And that Pledge of Allegiance was called the Shema. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 and it says here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And that was kind of the 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 pledge. And this would have been said multiple times uh, throughout the day by Jewish people. And so it was kind of like the Pledge of Allegiance. So there's this moment in the Gospels when Jesus is approached by a religious leader and asked, what is the most important law in the entire Mosaic Covenant? The entire, all the Mosaic law, all of it, what's the most important thing? And the, the person is asking Jesus to make sure he's orthodox, to make sure he responds with the Shema. And Jesus does. He says the most important one, and he recites Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. They'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's what he says. And then he says, but the second one is like it. And so what Jesus does is he conjoins and then melds and welds together two ideas. One, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And he said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Scott McKnight in his famous book, Jesus Creed, Scott McKnight is a thinker and a pastor and a theologian and an author. He said this is the first moment when these two ideas are melded together forever, that that Jesus is uniting these two ideas like two sides of a coin. They're inseparable. And that idea is love God and love your neighbors yourself. Then Jesus says all the law and all the prophets hang on these two. And so today we're going to be talking about what it means to love our neighbor, because last week we talked about love God, and that sometimes feels wonderful and beautiful, and it's really just about accepting God's love for us. But to love your neighbor as yourself, that's where the rubber meets the road. There's ethical demands here. There's ways that we live. How do we actually follow Jesus? And if we're serious about following Jesus, we have to be serious about Jesus' words. He says you can't love God unless you love your neighbor. They're, they're linked somehow. So I've got Steve Clifford and Andy Gridley here in the studio to talk about what that might mean for you and for me as we try to live this out. So with that, let's dive right in. Welcome to the afterward, everybody. Hey. I, I am excited. I'm in a in a packed studio here. Yeah. We've got shoulder to shoulder. It's amazing. We've got two guests today, not just one. We've got two. Andy Gridley here. Hey, great and to be with you. Steve Clifford. Yep. You, two big guys and a little dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the one crowded out. Now oh, there it is. Um, we are in the the second love um, in our sermon series, "The Life You Want." So this is kind of the the second love. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love one another. This is the second one. And the reason we went here, and actually. The first question I had is, I, I think in some ways, even splitting them up week by week, which I understand that we have to do, Jesus doesn't even seem to do that. Hmm. When asked, like, what's the most important thing in the entire Old Testament Mosaic law, Jesus kind of molds them together. Like, you know what I mean? He says you can't really do one without the other. He he combines them somehow. Well, especially the first two. Love God, love your neighbor. Sure. And, there, and it's not just Jesus. That's what's pretty shocking about it. Yeah. It's all over the New Testament. Paul does it several times. Um, James does it. The brother of Jesus uh, does it as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's a consi- and then John does it. I remember I was at a conference. Uh, it was a controversial conference. I'm not going to say where it was, but mm. it was a big conference. It was for youth workers. Mm-hmm. And a big, let's say just a big shot, gets up and says, if you are teaching your students that there's a way to love God and allows them to continue to treat other people like garbage, yeah. you're doing it wrong. And we have to focus more. At, we have to swing the pendulum that loving God means loving other people. That's yeah. what it means. And 
there was a lot of yeah, conversation and chatter out of that. But I think what what he's trying to do is say that this this idea that when Jesus says in Mark twelve, love your neighbor as yourself is as as the second part of what it means to love God. I think he's trying to he's trying to do this something similar. Or how do you guys take that? Mm. Well, what I what I think is I, I don't know if you can say if you're teaching them to love God, but you allow them to treat you, treat other. I would say if you're not warning them that if you say you love God, yeah, but you treat other people poorly, um, you're violating the scriptures. Would teach you yeah. that you don't love, right? You don't love God, right? Mm-hmm. You you actually didn't get it like you know of him you can ascribe your belief in him but the the actual transformation of being deeply loved and then not being stingy but actually sharing that love um it, it's not really happening in your life yeah i see you got some scripture there yeah i, I, I mean john I, um you know john's a very unique guy in in terms of writing of the scriptures yeah. he, he wrote most of his stuff really late He's old, um, very old, and he started out as this young whippersnapper. He was probably the youngest of the mm. disciples. There's a good chance that he was. Um, and then he writes when he's old, and 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 he by the time he's all, you know, fifty years yeah. past when Christ was there. Yeah. Um, he would say things like this: "Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar, mm. and the truth is not in that person." But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus mm. did. And so I don't know that you can say, are there times when I love God, but I don't love my neighbor well? Yeah. 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 But if it's a consistent pattern in your life, um, if there's no love for other people, especially the way Jesus defines neighbor, if that's not being manifested in your life, you've got to wonder if you got it. So let's talk about neighbor real quick, because you guys came up with a, a really interesting way to talk about this. Now, we've talked about the five for years, but sometimes when people hear neighbor, they think literal geographic person to my left and my right. And and it can mean that, of course it can. But your expansion of neighbor, the definition was really interesting. Uh, Andy, what, what? Well, yeah, to give credit where credit due, uh, there was a pastor I came across named Jamie Dickens, and I really liked his reference. Uh, just a fresh way to think about who your neighbor is that mm-hmm. that really ties to what Jesus is teaching us. Um, it, our neighbor is someone who is in the ripple effect of our lives. The you ripple know? effect of it's our lives. It's a really good way yeah. of thinking about it. You know, you mentioned the word oikos. It's just this a sense of like, where where do I already have relationships with folks? That There's a ripple effect. And it's a, probably a pretty good place to start there. It's not the only place to be. You know, we have yeah. things like go trips or people in our city through beautiful day, those kinds of things. But um, yeah, a lot of times a great place to start would be just who's already directly in the ripple effect of my life in the day to day. Yeah, the Greek word for that oikos is doesn't mean delicious yogurt, which it is. It, it is, yeah. <laughs> it, it means. What's uh, your favorite flavor? Uh, absolutely raspberry every time. Of that's course. a big. That's a big flavor. You're you're a big personality. That makes sense to me. Well, it's delicious. Anyway, oikos is it was uh, in the Greeks. It was your entire relational network. I'm actually surprised you eat yogurt, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how to take that comment. All right. Uh, 
So the Oikos is your, your entire relational network. It's your family, it's your immediate neighbors, and it's your business contacts mm. um, as well. Anyone you have anyone you have any dealings with. So it was like a really expansive kind of word for, mm-hmm. which I love, the ripple effect of your life. So if that's your neighbor, like how did, when you came across that definition, why did that jive with you? And why, like, as you were kind of thinking about that and reflecting on that definition, um, what, what kind of bubbled out for you guys? Yeah, just learning the Greek word as it's translated, it literally means the other person. I just thought that was so cool. Just basically, as we go along our day-to-day, um, it, first of all, it's a very external view, right? Yeah. The, the other, uh, not just curved inwards on my cell phone with my itinerary, my agenda, but just really beginning to just first see that there's a, another person there. And then when you think about, um, to me, neighbor the way we're describing it here with the ripple effect, I have either a positive or negative contribution in every person I meet. I can add value, I can ascribe worth, or the opposite of that, um, th- there could be a, the negative, right? I could be uh, taking away value, uh, um, ascribing worth to myself at the exclusion of my neighbor, which I love this Romans passage. Just There's kind of these negative um commands of the law don't do this don't do that and he and then he even says in that same way um the only thing that you don't do is be stingy you know make sure you're not stingy make sure you in fact are the opposite yeah let's get into that because that was the verse that you guys chose and i remember a couple weeks ago steve let us here you were like hey i think that i found something so i love it so let's talk about like how'd you encounter that or were you just like Prepping because it's a really interesting. Yeah, we never even to, knew that book was never, in the Bible. <laughs> no, stop. We've never used this verse with this message. Correct. Uh, and we've done. I've been here for That's years. That's true. And you have never used this verse. No. Um, so never I, have. It's just interesting. Uh, it is. It, 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 well, it, it's so clear in the Gospels, and they're so. It. We've just typically gone to the Luke ten passage. Sure. The you know, of the Good Samaritan, and that's where Jesus blows up the definition of neighbor into this where... Mm. So here's the thing. Think about this. From Leviticus, from the giving of the law, they've been told to love their neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it's and if you think about it, it's just like the rich dude in Luke 10. He, he Wanting to justify himself, He it, it's all hinges on how you define neighbor. Because... Even the least godly, yeah, love those who love them, right? And and so and so those that love them that are the family members all around them, they they if you do, so the, it all hinges on that whole deal. So because of that, um, it's critical to get, make sure that you understand that how neighbor is understood by Jesus in that he blew it up. It's yeah. it's a ripple effect. It's the however I'm in my mind I see this pond that's. That's glass clear, you know, just glass smooth, and you throw a big old rock in the middle of it, and eventually the ripple effect will go through the whole pond. Yeah, it'll unless stopped, the ripple will continue, and so and that's what Jesus did. You think you're supposed to only love the guys who agree with you religiously or politically right. or economically in your same sphere? Yeah, and he says it's just completely opposite of that. It's it. It's it turns everybody. the question from who's my neighbor to am I acting like a good neighbor to the people I encounter? And it exposes is, a little bit in that story where the guy's trying to justify himself and say who's my neighbor. He's a lot like me. I I kind of want I want to I want to narrow that pond. 
<laughs> yeah. because it takes work and it exposes back to where we started the conversation um, how little of myself in and of myself I'm capable to actually love my it, it starts to do some things that I'm not real comfortable with so like that guy who asked Jesus I I am tempted to live in a pretty shallow small little pond and so there's an invitation to be in way deeper waters um, that we were designed for uh, but it takes Jesus in us and through us. And I think that's, a, um, I think that's what Jesus is really getting after. Yeah, so it, the, back to the original question, why I've never used this passage, is that we've just concentrated on how Christ used it. Yeah. So why don't you read it? What, um, it's because... in Romans 13. Um, in the Hebrew, I mean the Greek. <laughs> okay. uh, no, Let just... no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So there, there we start to see it. And then he goes, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covenant, and whatever other command there may be, yeah. are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Those five words. And you find those five words, what you, what you realize is, is that those are the words of Christ. And he is, he is certainly the first one who just ties that love of God and love your neighbor so, you know, so strongly together. But it echoes throughout the New Testament, too. And, and in, his drawing, right? You just mentioned it's even in Leviticus. So it's... Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, it finishes up with, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's just quite amazing. Can I share one yeah. dorky like seminarian thing that sure. you guys could add way more value? But in my study there, the, that word that we just that Steve just read, it's summed up in this one command. Uh, in the in the Greek, it's summed up in this one logos, logos, or whatever. So that one word. And speaking of John, John says in the beginning was the living word, the logos. Right. So it's a hyperlink back to Jesus. I think it's so yeah. cool. Like Jesus is literally saying it's all summed up in me. The this one. Logos, this one word, love your neighbor as yourself. And um, for me, that was really uh, what was fresh for me about that again is that this, this life Jesus is calling us to is only possible when we are, in fact, connected to Jesus, when his love is in us and operative in us. It's impossible to do separate from Jesus. There is a lot of good philanthropic stuff going on in the world, but what's fascinating to me is it's all done the way that Steve just mentioned, it's philanthropic stuff, good works for my neighbor who look like me, agree with me, have the same sort of um, thought uh, psychology, you know, as me. Um, Jesus blows this away. He loves people so different, right? Literally enemies. And so what he's calling us to is a very, very different kind of love of neighbor. So the word debt in there is, I think, pretty jarring. Because, yeah. So talk to me about that because he says the debt of love, right? This, that's a strange way to put it, but Paul did that provocatively. So what? what yeah, well, so, so first of all, what it's not doing is saying don't borrow money to buy a car. Or, right. It's, this is, you, you maybe want to, um, if you want to decide what debt and those kinds of things are, this is not a passage for yeah. that. This is. This, this is, is not about personal finance. No, this is <laughs> but not. But it's been used a lot of 
Christians read this and go cut up their credit cards, right? So, yeah, yeah to your so point, that's not a good... It might so, not be bad to cut out a few credit cards, but that's not what this is speaking about. Speaking of, who's buying lunch? <laughs> Can I borrow But your? it's interesting here. He, he says it's not only this other, it's this debt to love, but it's a continuing debt mm-hmm. to love. Is that this Meaning is... it never gets this, paid off. This is something that... And then this is the... This is the... This is it. If you recognize how well that you've been so well loved... Mm. And you recognize the debt, this tremendous price that has been paid for you. How can you not respond in the same? Yeah. I mean, who, you know, it's like Jesus taught it in such a way. He says, who, who loves much? The one who's forgiven little or the one who recognizes they've been forgiven much? And when we recognize, and, you, and if you understand theologically, personally, the, the great effort God has made to get into relationship with you, day-to-day, minute-by-minute relationship with you. All of the enmity between us and God is removed through Jesus Christ. When we, when we recognize there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, mm. that, then how can we not respond in kind? Yeah. I mean, to those that we're around. And so... And when you see that that's not happening, you've either lost the vision of how much God loves you, or you never had it. That's what First John tells us. Yeah. Now that's some strong stuff, I know. But that's just listen, folks. It's what it says. Yeah. If your life is not characterized consistently has a lack of love for people around you, then. So I don't know if you've got the truth. I think we've all been in situations when we've been super irritated at the people around us, maybe even more than irritated, maybe even angered. Like you're saying that that actually can be a, an indicator light that something's off. No, no, no. I, I think that's a wrong application. I actually think that um, in interpersonal relationships, we're going to anger one another, that we were broken people and, and hurt people hurt people. Right. So that's that's going to happen. So that kind of a deal. But then now, if you hurt me, how do we determine to reconcile? Do we do it? And do we do we make ourselves reconcile because there's a deeper value here? And that is I I love love, you. We must love each other. Yeah. 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 And that love, don't misunderstand love as some kind of an emotional feeling. Ooey gooey. Everything works out and we never fight. Nope. Nobody, it, nobody lives that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that, that can only be done from afar in, in, with no personal contact at all. Right. Yeah. So that's certainly not it. Love has to, be, has to do with this, the attitude that I have decided that I have determined to will your good with a willingness and a desire to connect to you intimately. Even f- if it costs me. Even if it costs me. I feel, Especially when it costs you. Yeah. I, feel a, I feel a Willard quote coming on right now. Oh. Can I read it? And yeah, it's I would, full. I would love for you I to know, read it. I know Steve shared. And now it's time for Dallas Willard okay. quote. Okay. All Go right. Ahead. He says this. Okay. Um, we say, well, let me back up. Love is not desire. This is what Steve was just saying. Love is not desire. It is to will the good of others. Love is not desire. It is to will the good of others. We say... I love chocolate cake, but really, we just want to eat it. That's what we're saying. We love something or someone when we promote its good for its own sake. There you go. There's the Dallas Willard quote right there. That's the Dallas Willard chocolate cake quote of the year. I do love chocolate cake like you love yogurt. But you're not trying to stop. But you're not trying to, to, to take it. 
you're saying that love is about the other being others focused. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the nitty gritty of this because it's not always easy. And this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? I yeah. mean, this is. It's never easy. Right. <laughs> I mean, there are some people that no, are easier than true. others. I'm very easy to love. I would no, say. you're not. I would say, oh, um, so it's so, some people amazing. are easier to love than others. Sure. But some everybody's always hard. Yeah. To love. Yeah. yeah. And if you think you're easy to love, you're probably the one that needs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, how as you because I, I know when God has you preach on a thing, he often is teaching you guys a lesson as he's teaching the mm. congregation le- a lesson too. Talk to me uh, about what, how has this been working itself out? And now I know you've had years to do this, but in this season, as you've been preaching this, how is this, how are you trying to live this out? Like, give me some practical tips and tricks to, to try to take some steps toward embodying this. What, what, what's been going on in you? Okay. Two different things. Um, and they basically come back to, uh, and I don't want to make it a bigger deal than it is, but it, but it's, it's more like sacrifice in my life right now, how it's manifesting is sacrifice um, that plays itself out mainly by an expression of humility. So hmm. it is, it is a willingness to take a platform that was, that has been mine um, for many, many years and to not just, not just hand that platform over, hmm. but to be engaged in it in such a way where people will say, you did that as an act of love. See, see, I say I love Westgate, but that means that I want what's best for Westgate and I'm going to serve them. I'm going to sacrifice for them. And that expression <clears throat> has meant different things at different times. Sometimes it's meant courage. Sometimes it's meant, mm-hmm. you know, taking heat for stuff. Yeah. Right now it means humility. It means humility. There's, there is a new regime. Mm. You guys represent part of that regime as Jay's, you know, Jay's compadres, all that are kind of the same age and all uh, moving together in the same thing. Is it am, at every turn, am I willing to make sure that regardless of how people feel about me, they feel great about Jay? Mm. And I'm just being real here. This is, I didn't even plan to do this, but um, this is how it's manifesting itself for me is that how do I love this community in a way that will have, because they have loved me. I mean, it's like, it's yeah. my, like the benefit of Jesus in my life. Westgate has also been for 21 years, this great lover of Steve's family and Steve and um, not perfectly, but, but genuinely and yeah. consistently now, how do I, and I've loved them. I've and so and but this looked different than it does now. So the way it manifests itself now is kind of a humility deal. Is that I've been thinking about this, and this is again, you can re- delete this part out if you need to. But John, Jesus said that John the Baptist is the greatest from those born of women. I mean, the greatest. Mm. Now think about that. of all the prophets of everybody, he's considered the greatest. What made him the greatest? Hmm. He wasn't the greatest preacher. We wouldn't have any of his sermons. I think it's the method in his baptism. I think that would... You think the method... Style points. No, how he, he dunked did. people. It was, so his clothes? Yeah. You think that... You think that he had eating this those, minimalist look eating before those, it was cool. Eating those bugs was really the key? <laughs> yeah. Here's what I believe is the key. 
I, what I believe is the key is that when when he had to decrease, he recognized it and did it. Whoa, whoa! I mean, he passed he passed it on to the to the voice that mattered. Yeah, and and to the one, and so that's what that's that may be for nobody but me. No, I, I love that because what, what you're saying is, and humility is basically um, it's other centeredness is what it is. Yeah. It's a little death to self. And it's an exaltation of the view and the and the and the person of somebody else. So it's death to self, which is always spiritual growth, right? Almost, yeah. al- almost always. Yeah. In in the Christian. Now, Andy, uh, you and I have a similar situation. You shared the story, but you and I had a similar situation. We have we have uh, new neighbors, and it's been it's been rough. Yeah. Uh, every night at eight thirty, we got to close up all of our windows because the cloud of marijuana smoke just mm, wafts yeah. over uh-huh. and. We don't want our kids smell. It just smells bad. Yeah. Our dog's like, what I, is that? I wondered why you smelled the way you did. Okay, in stop this it. Okay, interview. so. <laughs> I thought you'd been a little more relaxed. Yeah, I thought you were a little anxious about this interview or something. Um, thanks for the implication that I did drugs before yeah. this podcast. I appreciate that, gentlemen. Um, and so, and it's hard, right? And they've got a dog that's unruly and it's parks all the It's literally time. your neighbor. It's literally our neighbor. And, and they're hard to love. And they're, and it's like, yeah. my wife's like, oh, yeah. why'd they have to move in? And yeah. so, and I'm like, oh, you know, so, and you had something similar happen to you. Yep. It's kind of a, a funny, kind of a funny story, but uh, God kind of did something in you. So you had a difficult neighbor too. So Very talk, difficult. Tell that story. Yeah. Just about the roughest you you could imagine, um, out of prison, just rough, um, have not had a great life and moved into a pretty suburban little neighborhood where people, you know, love their little manicured lawns and all that stuff. And so, um, doing the best they can have a real beater car. The, there's bumper stickers on there that are sexualized and they will not, not park it in front of our house. And we're having people come over to our home from the church to get to know the, the pastor kind of thing for the first time. And like, the car parked in front of your house has like super sexual bumper stickers. Yeah. There, like yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. So the, the <laughs> I mean, that's like questions about the church or the car out front, you know, is some of that. And um, yeah, just really, uh, prickly, you know, hey, can you move your car, you know, expletives and how dare you, you know, just like a lot of that energy. There's phone calls to the police. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, but to Steve's point, I was thinking about what he was saying about humility. I don't know that we always connect that to loving your neighbor. Um, but what compelled me when I was reading this story, again, the Good Samaritan story, Jesus says, when the Good Samaritan saw this person, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to have a humility to begin to see others Yeah, like past their, the frustrating outer expressions that piss you off or whatever, to be able to literally see them, to see them yeah. the way God sees them. That takes a, a supernatural humility. So I'm not saying I got that or Steve has it. That's a, that's a gift that God is giving Steve in this season. And it's a gift he wants to give all of us to, to be like that good Samaritan to really see people. And for me, how I would apply it in this season is to go from a here I am mentality when I walk into a room or when my neighbors, you know, when the smoke comes in my window, here I am just so conscious of myself to a posture that's much more Jesus, which is there you are. Like, mm. Everywhere mm-hmm. I go, there you are. And Steve's been doing that for me for years. Like, um, as much as Steve is a big presence, there'll be a moment where all of a sudden God does something to that guy and he'll say, how you doing? Or how's, how's your 
family doing or, you know, things like that. And I think in a thousand different ways, if there's just one way we could live this out, it'd be God help me to mm. go into this day like that good Samaritan to see people, to have more of a, ah, there you are. Yeah. Ah, there you are. Ah, it, there you are. My mantra is everyone is someone. Mm-hmm. Everyone is someone. And mm-hmm. if you just had a chance, you would hear, uh, the, especially older, the older they are, the more of a story they have. Yeah. And it's, fasc- it's always fascinating to me to hear. I never grow tired of hearing people's stories mm-hmm. and, and listening to the, the I, and this is, you've heard, Andy's heard me say this before. I don't, I don't know if I've, I've shared it with you, Dad, but sometimes I'll just write as I'm praying over the room before I preach. I will just let, my, I will just let myself imagine some of the horrendous situations that people are in because I see those prayer requests. I know that they're in them. And I just imagine how much courage did it take for that person to get here this morning? Yeah. How much courage did it take? And that makes it so much easier to love them. Yeah. And how much courage does it take for that guy, that neighbor of yours who is really struggling just to to try one more time? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and to give it an effort yeah. And, you know, the truth was he didn't give a rip about what kind of bumper stickers were on his car. He didn't care about his car. He's right. just trying to figure out. Yeah. And he's just trying to get his kid on that school bus and get back into uh, his house before he feels the collective neighbor's eyes yeah. and, you know, judgment and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, Andy, so was there a resolution to that story? Like- yeah. Um, I got to share a little bit of this at South Hills this weekend, but um, there was a we lived with that offense and frustration and interruption and just trying to discern how best to love our neighbors, to live this out. And, um, there was a day where I was on a run and I felt God's Holy spirit say, Hey, there's your neighbor who's challenging. And, um, I want you to go over and just see him, you know, move towards him, but literally physically, physically walk across your manicured lawn, your mowed lawn and go over to him. And, um, so I did what any good Christian would do. I said, if he's still there after my run, <laughs> then that's from you, God. <laughs> and he was. He was still there. So I was like, ah, shoot, okay, I got to do it. So I said, hey, neighbor, fill in the name. And he didn't hear me. And I thought, full credit, I tried. I'll just go towards the door. you know. And then something in my spirit again is like, no, stop being a wuss, go over there. So I walked over there. He was having an... Um, just, just a terrible day. And God said, Hey, tell him the story about Hagar, about the, the woman who names God, who's in a tough situation. Just tell him that there's a woman who named God. He's the God who sees me. And Hey neighbor, I think what God wants you not super weird. I know this is like out of nowhere, but I just want you to know God sees you. He told me to come over here to tell you that. Mm. And, um, I'm praying for you. And the dude, just this big prison, tough guy tatted out, expletives just he started crying and just he said you don't realize I was coming out here today putting my kid on that bus thinking nobody knows nobody cares wow and I I just I felt so one I felt grateful it's so cool to actually love your neighbor when God divinely orchestrates those moments they're awesome to be used because you know who you are um but two I felt um sober I felt ashamed I don't know I felt man, it took me this long to just walk across my mm-hmm. lawn. And um, I want to do that more. I want to be able to be the person who says everyone is someone. Not because I feel good about it. It's not a feeling, but because 
Jesus paid the ultimate price for them. And um, I want to be that kind of presence. I want to experience it. I want to be that. So. I love that you go back in and your kids are at the window and they're like, <gasps> and their eyes are all wide open. Yeah, they like, were like terrified. Like, Whoa, is what dad happened? talking to that guy? What happened? What's yeah, going on? Yeah. And uh, I was able to, you know, I hope it was a good example of being, I think, yeah, just not perfect. But yeah, dad was kind of arguing with God, but God wouldn't stop arguing with me. And so I finally just did it. And um and we prayed for him as That's a awesome. family. It was a really special moment. Yeah. All right, Steve, as we get out of this, um, there's a lot of folks who they they want to take the next step because they know that this is what this means, right? So what advice, what words of, what pastoral words do you have to, because to, we need to go, we, we all know that this is the way Jesus loved. We know that this is how we have to live. So what would you say just as, as we kind of close and send us out from this? Okay, week? something to not do and then something to do. So here's what you don't do. Don't compare. Don't compare. Don't think, oh, my gosh, you know, loving my neighbor means I'm going to go to Africa or, or that's what so-and-so did. And yeah. so he's the real Christian. And that's what, you know, don't, don't compare. That's good. Instead, I'm writing that down. just open yourself up and look. And then respond to whatever you see. I mean, just, it's like oh, on, a, so on a jog, you see your neighbor. Can just I rewrite my message? Stop that's and really talk. Good. Just stop and talk to them. Just say, ah, okay. Just see them. Notice them. That's what happens in Luke 10. He looked and he saw the beat up dude on yeah. the side of the road. He saw him. Yeah. If just, so stop comparing and making it this, because that we use that as an excuse. I can't go to Africa, so it must not be me. I can't. Right. I got this day job. I can't really serve in that way, or we love my neighbor. Yeah, yeah I, we do that all the I time. I can't do that. Just, but you do have a day job, and you work with dudes and dudettes yeah, yeah. right there. You There's know, people and you, in that ripple effect. Just love them then. Yeah. Just take notice. Don't be weird about it. In the normal, in the normal um, rhythms of life, as you sit down for lunch, as you... Um, walk to, through the parking lot to your cars yeah. as you greet one another in the mornings. Just yeah. just be kind. Just care for them. Yeah. Notice. Love. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, guys, thanks for challenging us uh, to take this next. Oh, you have a benediction? I do. You have a benediction for us? Yeah. Well, because I have to get to my Oikos uh, yogurt mm. uh, for lunch. So. Yeah. <laughs> lunch, lunch is yogurt. I'm um, mm. just kidding. So, Andy, would you, uh, what's your, wh- who's this from? Do you know who, who wrote this? St. Teresa of Avila. Oh, all right. Send yeah. us out with a benediction, Andy. Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Powerful. Amen. Man, well, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for helping us learn and, and really try to put into practice what it means to love our neighbor. That's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, thanks, guys. See ya. All right, bye. Just want to say thanks to Steve and Andy for coming in. Join me next week when we complete the three loves. We talk about the third love, love one another, what it means for the church to love one another well. I've got my buddy, 
David Kim is going to be here in the studio. David is in charge of spiritual formation here at Westgate Church. I'm so excited for that conversation. David is going to be going through some principles I think will really help not just make sense of community, but maybe make sense of why community has been hard for you and then how to take some steps into um, having more uh, a deeper and a, and a richer experience in Christian community. I'm so looking forward to that. Dave's a great friend and he's brilliant. So join me next week when we dive into that one. We'll see you then.